Now this morning we continue in John chapters 1 to 4 and today chapter 3 verses 22 to 36. And to put our passage in context, I'd like us to read from chapter 3 verse 16. So we'll read from John 3.16 and page 888, if you have a church Bible. So John 3.16 through to the end of the chapter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God." After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Enon near Salem, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification, And he came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, the joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all, He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God. But he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son 
shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Well, let's be quiet for a moment, and I'll pray for God's help. Our Father, we pray sincerely now that the preacher will decrease and the Lord Jesus Christ will increase. It is his voice, Jesus' voice, that we need to hear and no other. May he speak clearly, and may Jesus' voice be heard. And may we who here sit at the feet of the teacher who alone has authority to speak to us with integrity and in truth, to say to us what we need to hear. Speak, Lord Jesus, and help us to listen and obey for your sake and for your glory. Amen. Now, I really have nothing to say to you this morning in fact, I have nothing to say to you any Sunday morning. And would that I really believe that as a preacher, I would be a far better one. Would that we all came on Sunday with the attitude, with the desire not to listen to the preacher or to be put off by him, or to be confused by him, but to ignore him or see beyond his faults or idiosyncrasies and listen to the voice of Jesus. Would that we, when we get home on a Sunday, or in the car on the way home, not discuss or grade the preacher, but rather discuss and grade God. Would we be more careful when we talk about our favorite preacher online, whatever podcast we have? Our favorite preacher should be Jesus as he speaks through his word. Jesus is the podcast you want on your phone. Now, the watchword of any preacher worth their salt and therefore worth listening to is here in black and white. John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. It is the watchword of any congregation who understand clearly whose voice they need to and want to hear. Not the preacher, not the teacher standing in front of them every Sunday, whoever that is, but the Lord Jesus speaking through his words. This week I got to see Dick Lucas, aged 94, my friend, mentor, as he is to many. Humanly speaking, and many say these things about him, he was and is a great preacher, a great teacher. 
John Stott, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and Dick Lucas, arguably the three standout evangelical leaders in Britain in the 20th century, preached faithfully for between them uh, over a hundred years in three pulpits in London. They have impressive CVs, as did John the Baptist, the greatest preacher, perhaps, who ever lived, as did John, the writer of the gospel. What an impressive thing to put in your CV under publications, the gospel of John. Impressive, but the watchword of them all, he must increase, and I must decrease. At the conference this week, where Dick was speaking, the uh, person who introduced Dick eulogized and praised him a little too much, only, I think, out of affection and appreciation, but I sat there and I thought, risky. And when the old dog got to the lectern, I thought, he's going to savage him. But he didn't, of course. He just got on with teaching the Bible that we might hear the voice of Jesus through his word. When I worked with Dick in London, I would travel with him from time to time. If he was well-loved this side of the pond in America, he was something of a legend. I remember being with him in Chicago, and he was giving a series of lectures, and the red carpet really was rolled out that night. After the lecture, the cue to speak to the great preacher went out the door. The problem was the great preacher was nowhere to be seen. He was gone, long gone. My problem, given I was looking after him, was that I'd lost him. <laughs> and that one example in the biography of one man in his life and ministry was repeated thousands of times. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, think on it like this. Here's my text for this morning. Dick said to me, brother, you need to have texts in your sermons and cut them by 10 minutes. And just to encourage you, we are on a quest to shorten up all of us. Here's my text for this morning. John, the writer's statement, chapter 3, verse 36. Just listen to this about Jesus. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Let me repeat that. That's our text. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now, that is simply a summary of all that Jesus teaches. It is a summary of what Jesus has just taught in John 3, 16 to 21, that fundamental statement that takes us to the very heart of the gospel. Just look back, and you will see that that is exactly what Jesus teaches. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his Son, that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And John simply repeats that, chapter 3, verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. John three thirty-six is our text this morning. It is my text for this morning. No, it is not. It is Jesus' text for humanity. If that statement in John 3.36 is a particular preacher's collective thoughts on Jesus, then to say that is presumptuous 
would be a gross understatement. I wonder if when you picked up the notice sheet this morning and saw the title of the sermon, How to Get to Heaven and How to Get to Hell, you thought, what a presumptuous, arrogant thing to say. Who does he think he is? Or what right does Shammers have as a church to make that kind of presumptuous statement? Absolutely none. Who does he think he is? Well, that depends on who you mean by the he. If it is me, it is presumptuous and arrogant. If it is Jesus, it is not. Now, no preacher has authority to say this kind of stuff, nor do those of you in this room who are Bible study leaders or small group leaders or Sunday club teachers. Jesus does, and only he does. He has all authority to say this. And John, the writer, could not make that point any clearer to us than he does in these verses. These verses are like a statement, John 3.36, with all this preface beforehand just to, and to achieve simply one thing, that by the end of us working through all these preparatory verses, you will listen not to me, but to him. It's one thing to say, I must decrease, he must increase, and you need to listen to Jesus. It's quite another to make that happen in the human heart. Follow with me from verse 22. After this, that is, after this statement, this teaching from Jesus, for God so loved the world and so on, Jesus and his disciples went into the Gian countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John, that's John the Baptist, also was baptizing at Anan near Salem because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. I just want to tell you about one of my Bible commentaries that has three pages of what they call an excursus on the plentiful water, which I, I, if I had enough, Dick would tell me, just tear it out, brother, tear it out, brother. But of course, I wouldn't do that. And there's just a lot of water there, that's all. And, and people were coming and being baptized, because you can't baptize people without water. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples, that's John the Baptist's disciples, verse 25, and a Jew over purification. And they came to John, that's John the Baptist, and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, that's Jesus, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. They're all going to Jesus to be baptized. They're all going to Jesus to listen to him. And we're meant, I think, to have in our minds that earlier section in John's gospel, chapter 1, verses 19 to 34, the testimony or witness of John the Baptist. Turn back to that, chapter 1, verses 19 to 34. And as you do so, uh, let me say what you're probably thinking is, I wish they weren't both called John. It is confusing. Uh, if this was made up, they would not both be called John. Uh, at least the two Johns, John the Baptist and John who writes this gospel, are agreed in the same thing. I must decrease and he must increase. Now, earlier in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 19 to 34, we heard the testimony of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was a great preacher. Jesus said he was the greatest man born of woman. 
He was the most famous preacher ever. He stood at the end of the prophets and the beginning of all of Christian ministers. And when asked, this great, wonderful preacher who had more podcasts to his name than you and I could imagine, who are you? What do you say about yourself? He said, chapter 1, verse 33, John the Baptist, International Ministries. He said, I am a voice crying in the wilderness. I am not worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. I baptize with water. I get you wet. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He, Jesus, John said, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's pretty clear. Now back to John 3. We're at verse 26. They're all going to Jesus to be baptized. They are going to listen to Jesus. Why is that, John? Well, we already know from the earlier testimony, but just so we know again if we've forgotten, why is that, John? Uh, verse 27 of chapter 3, John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. In other words, you can't receive anything spiritual unless it is given to you from heaven, from God. Verse 28, you yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. I'm a witness to him. It's him you need. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. Now think of your wedding in a year. The relationship that matters on that day, on a wedding day, is between the bridegroom and the bride. Not between the ushers or best man and the bride. It is the bridegroom the bride is waiting for. It is the bride the bridegroom is coming to. Rightly, they are the center of attention. And everyone else rightly stands back, stands to the side. The friend of the bridegroom, let's call him the best man, who stands and hears him, the groom, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Now, there's a little bit of, I don't know if John had a humorous kind of turn in him, that the best man relaxes when the bridegroom arrives. John the Baptist, this great, great preacher, rejoices when he hears Jesus' voice. Therefore, the joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Why? Verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. He who is in the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. Now, here's the deal. I, your minister, am from the earth. Sometimes you might think I'm from another planet, but I'm from the earth. So is Roger, and so is Sam, and so is Neil, who's preaching tonight, and so is John the Baptist, and so is Dick Lucas, and so is the person on your podcast, and so is your small group leader. So I'm sorry to disappoint you that I did not give even 10 minutes of time to collect my thoughts before I stood up this morning because I had nothing to say. Of course, that is true of a minister, isn't it? One day, I will be a plaque on a wall. 
Uh, I think for your sake, not the same as the plaque on that wall, for the minister, I think, died in the job, age 95. I don't think any of you would be here. <laughs> I have nothing to say, but Jesus does. Why is that? Because it's not piety, this, is it? Because he comes from God. He comes from heaven. Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh, at the lectern, every Sunday, as God speaks to us through his Son, through his words, and brings it home to our hearts in the power of his Holy Spirit. Verse 32, he, Jesus, bears witness to what he has seen and heard. Now, is that not wonderful? Isn't it exciting that we get to listen to Jesus on our podcasts? Isn't it extraordinary that we get to read about a man who came from God, who came from the Father's side, from heaven, who has seen and heard God? Isn't it extraordinary what we have recorded for us here in Scripture, the words of the one who comes from God, so the whole world flocks to hear Jesus. Wrong. He, verse 32, Jesus bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Now, that's an exaggeration. John, the writer, is making the point emphatically. Some, of course, many of you, many of us, have received his testimony, but the vast, vast majority don't, won't receive it. Now, isn't that how it really is? Isn't it true this morning that on the streets of Morningside or the streets of Edinburgh or on the streets of Istanbul, in the cities, in the towns, in the villages across Scotland, the vast majority choose to ignore the one who has come from God and speaks the words of God? To those who do believe, though, verse 33, whoever receives the testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Whoever hears and obeys what Jesus says knows that God is true. There's a great verse if you are reading the Bible with someone who is in the cusp of faith. I just, I just want one more bit of evidence to believe. Whoever receives the testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Believe. And one of the first and wonderful things that happens at the point of faith is a spiritual conviction that it's true. Whoever hears and obeys what Jesus says knows that God is true. When you hear and obey and believe, you know it is true, and you set your seal to it. It is a matter of conviction of certain assurance. And then John repeats himself again, verses 34 and 35. Why? Now, you might have picked up that uh, John is repeating himself lots and lots of times in his gospel. Why on earth does he do that? He'd get a, 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 a not an A plus if this was National 5. Repetition, minus 5. Why is it that a preacher preaches the gospel 20,000 million times in their life. This week I was with someone who's heard the gospel for 80 years. 
and is only now beginning to understand it. It takes time. Dick says it more bluntly. Why does John repeat himself? This is Dick to a whole crowd of city businessmen in the 60s in London. Because you're so stupid. And he said, there you are, you're running multinationals, you're moving money around the world, you're the leaders in your field, but you just do not see what matters. Maybe he's right. We're all just stupid. How is it that someone aged 60, 70, 80, who's bright and able and intellectually gifted, having sat through sermons all their life, has the grasp of the gospel that is less than a children's ladybird book's grasp of the gospel? Because they haven't seen, they haven't heard. Well, here's the Here's another go, verse 34, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. What magnificent words these are, aren't they? Uh, why don't you put them on your phone and send them to someone this week? Why don't you write them in a letter? For God has sent his Son who utters the words of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son to die on the cross. For God so gave his Son that he would utter to you the very words of God. God gives His Son His Spirit, fully God, fully man. He gives Him the Spirit without measure. That little, you have all the Holy Spirit within you by Christ, but you do not yet have all the fullness of it. That'll come in the new creation where you are truly transformed. And then the Father, for God so loved the world, for God so loved His Son. You see the parallels? What magnificent words these are. And here we are at the text verse at last. And I can't say any more than we've said. He must increase, but I must decrease. So now are we ready to listen to Jesus and what he really says to humanity? That is the context we hear this statement in verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in the Son should not perish but have eternal life. So do you believe in the Son? Do you believe that God gave Jesus his son to die that your sins might be forgiven? Do you believe? And if you do, don't switch off because someone here doesn't or won't. Pray for them. Do you have eternal life? life. When you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, His Spirit lives within you, new life. 
I don't know if you've seen the posters on every chemist shop window about warning signs of dehydration. Last week, I think I ticked them all. Coming a Christian, you know, all these warning signs about dehydration. The answer, of course, is drink some water. Becoming a Christian, here's what John says later on. It is a parched, desolate person drinking freely from the living water that is Jesus, the soul refreshed and satisfied, made alive, life now and eternal life with a new body in a new creation. Now, let me say this to the many of us here who are Christians. Why do you come here week by week? What happens when we come here week by week? Do we meet to learn more stuff, to build up our knowledge of God and Jesus, that if our chosen subject on mastermind were the Bible, we would score better than last week? Now, of course we come for knowledge. But this is not a time for a lecture, nor should it be. It is a life-changing encounter with a living Jesus through His living words that deepens our life in Jesus. You see, believing in Jesus and going on believing in Jesus does not so much give us knowledge, but life. Life in Him. And for someone, it might be not life, but a lifeline. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, so believe and have eternal life. That is how you get to heaven. If you want to get to heaven, believe in Jesus. I wonder, Andrew, if something like that was said to you age 10. And the Holy Spirit made you believe it was true. If you want to get to heaven, believe in Jesus. How do you get to hell, to everlasting judgment? Now, remember that John has worked extraordinarily hard to get you to listen to this and not me, because it's Jesus. How do you get to hell, to everlasting judgment? Now, Jesus' answer to that question might shock you. How do you get to hell? The answer is by doing nothing. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Whoever does not obey the Son, not believing is disobeying. The invitation is to believe. It is an invitation from Jesus, the one who is above all, the one who utters the words of God the one whom God gives the Spirit without measure, who is loved by God, and into whose hand God gives all things. Believe in me, Jesus says. Believe in me is both an invitation and an imperative. If you think as you read the Gospels, Jesus is telling you to believe in him as an imperative, you are right. If you think that as you read the Gospels, Jesus is inviting you to believe in him, you are right. It comes to us both at the same time often, believe in me. Or these words from later in John, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, invitation, and then statement and imperative, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes but through me. And if you do not obey Jesus, you will not see life. You will not be born again to a new life in Jesus. 
As one writer puts it, you will live your life parched and you will die parched. You might say, look at my life, I am living life to the full, I am blessed. But you know and I know that it will all be taken from you when you die. And what will it be worth to you as you lie dying? What will it be worth to you when you are raised to everlasting judgment in hell? Is that what you want, Jesus says? Is that what you will choose? You know, I can almost sense in my heart the battle going on between us all trying not to listen to me and to listen to Jesus. Isn't that true? Listen to him. Is that what you want for eternity? If you leave today still as an unbeliever, the wrath of God remains on you. You go back to your condemned cell. And the sentence you face is eternity. But if you believe in Jesus, if you believe he took the blame and bore the wrath, that you might stand forgiven at the cross, then the wrath of God no longer remains on you. There is no condemnation. Your sentence of eternal judgment has been borne by Christ, who gives you his righteousness and everlasting life. So in the end of the day, who is being presumptuous? Is it Jesus, the one from above, who utters the words of God, to whom the Spirit is given without measure, who bled and died? Is he being presumptuous? Or is it you? who is of the earth, who belongs to the earth, who speaks in an earthly way, who in your disobedience is being presumptuous. Let me read to you the words of this hymn, and let's do so in a spirit of prayer. Let's pray. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was weary and worn and sad. And I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. I heard the voice of Jesus say, I am this dark world's light. Look unto me, thy morn shall rise. 
and all thy days be bright. I looked to Jesus, and I found in him my star and my sun, and in that light of life I walk till traveling days are done. Father, with all our hearts, we pray that we would hear the words of Jesus and see beyond the preacher to the real teacher. And with all our hearts, we pray that we would obey and humble ourselves before him and choose heaven and not hell. For Jesus' sake. Amen.